Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Farah Ali. Farah is an entrepreneur and real estate investor, and her journey is nothing but short of inspirational. From battling an uncertain future to becoming a real estate investor, she co-founded We Win LLC, an organization founded on the principle that no woman should feel left alone on her entrepreneurship and investment journeys. She has successfully used her real estate investment knowledge and experience to equip other women to find success. She also authored best-selling book, Diaries of a Female Real Estate Investor. Today, we talk about her journey. She wrote a book, Her Single Mom Went from 80000 in debt to multi-million dollar portfolio. And we go through that process a little bit of how she did that from really rock bottom and she goes into that some to making that a decision and that turning point, right, to success and making those key decisions that help lead her to where she's at today. Farah, welcome to the show. I'm interested in your story. I know you just wrote a book about it, and I know many people are going to be encouraged by what you've accomplished, and, and so I'm looking forward to diving in to see just how you did that, right? So give the listeners a little more about your background, who you are, because I know they're going to be encouraged by hearing it. Sure. So yeah, my name is Farah. Thank you for having me. Born and raised in Chicago. Start from there. And my parents actually immigrated from India to America. My dad was called actually because he was an engineer and they had needed engineers at the time. So he was called to the U.S. And then I was born shortly after. And from there, you know, just kind of grew up in a middle class family. I went to school. I went to college for a couple of years. And then I had gotten married pretty early in life, just because I guess that was probably from our culture. And things are changing now, but back from our culture, you start hitting 20, 21, 22, and your parents are freaking out like, oh, it's marriage age, you know, that type of thing. So I got married pretty early and then had a kid like pretty much within a year of marriage. So I had my first newborn and then I had another child shortly thereafter. So I have two sons. And after seven or eight years of the marriage where there was issues and I ended up getting into separation and then eventually a divorce. And when that happened, you know, I had realized that I had to figure out what to do. I mean, I was working full time at the time at an insurance company, and that was good for the day to day income. But now with me being separated and the way that I separated, I didn't take anything with me. I left all my belongings. So I was just walking into an empty rented house with my two kids, trying to figure out how to support them by myself. So basically, I just start from scratch. So then what I did was, I think our brains are trained a certain way and went back to school to get my degree. Wow. I'm like, okay, well, maybe that'll help. And then from there, I immediately got my master's degree, thinking that I was going to get this huge increase in pay and it was going to solve all my problems. And although I did that and all worked out, it wasn't that much of an increase that I thought that it was going to take care of everything and all my expenses for the next 15 to 20 years. So what I started doing was researching into how to make more money and anything that I researched online had to do with real estate, you know, and the way to actually build wealth was real estate based on my research. So I ended up going into a seminar 
And from there, I was pretty much blown away by all the information and some of the things that I didn't realize at the time. I kind of walked in like, I'm just going to try it out. I know I don't have $100,000 sitting around to put a down payment. But when I went there, I learned that you don't really need to have much money at all to invest in real estate. You just have to have the right people around you, you know some private money lenders or lenders, the right support system to kind of teach you and all of that. So I ended up taking the classes that they had offered after the seminar. And within a month, I got my first investment property. I was just shocked when it actually closed because I couldn't believe that I had a second home. And then from there, I just kept going and going and scaling up and pretty much going from that to seven years later, having a property portfolio of 38 rentals. And I've done about six or seven flips and about 20 to 25 wholesales. So 50 plus 60 plus transactions. Congratulations. First off, it's incredible, incredible story. I wanted to back up to a few things that you said there. It's interesting what happens when we're put in a situation where it's like, we're just like almost rock bottom, right? It's like you either do or you don't at this point. I mean, you either you make a decision to do something or you just don't, right? And often like yourself, you made a decision, hey, I'm going to go make this happen. And then at first it was college, getting your master's degree, which it's interesting. Maybe you could just enlighten the listeners a little bit there. So looking back, would you have done that again? People ask me this question a lot. Actually, I don't think I would change anything, but I feel like one thing leads to another, to another, to another, right? And the one thing that did my MBA and going back to college did get me was a different level of confidence. And I don't think if I have that other level of confidence that I wouldn't have gotten some of the promotions that I did at work, as well as me being able to walk into a seminar by myself without anybody else, kind of just walking in with the room feel of mostly men and being able to do that. So I think every piece of what happens to you in your life is something that's going to help you in the direction that you're moving. And it's, it's like a lesson. I love the answer that it's just like a level of confidence that was gained, if nothing else. So it's like, it wasn't a wrong decision. It's like, it helped you in many ways. There's many ways that people have gotten to the goal. There's different paths to getting there. And so it wasn't a wrong answer, but it was something that helped you gain a higher level of confidence that now led to more things. So you researched on how to make more money. Everything kept pointing to real estate. And I think often people have that conception of like, I need a lot of money to get started in real estate, right? But you found out that you did not. And so you took some classes and congratulations on this. I mean, within a month, you had a project, an investment property. Tell us a little bit about some of the steps to get to that property. How did you do that that fast? What did that look like? Basically, what I did was anything that they had taught that week, if they said to spend an hour a day practicing, looking for properties or whatever, I would spend two hours a day just because I knew I had to perform better than the average person to get better than average results, right? So I would spend a couple hours a day just researching the area. What I did was I picked about 10 to 12 suburbs in the Chicago suburb area where were great pockets to invest in. So I didn't look for a areas which were like affluent areas because those are not usually the hottest market for rentals. I picked the B and C plus areas. And so what I did was I went on some websites, looked at some demographic information. And I also looked at the ratio of rentals versus owners, all of that. And I handpicked 10 to 12 of those suburbs. And then from there, I set up searches on Zillow, Redfin, anything that I couldn't even talk to agents on the MLS or they would feed me those properties. 
And as soon as those properties would come up, I had already learned how to calculate the numbers. So I would work back. How did you comps? What's figuring out the ARV and then figuring out, well, what is this rehab going to cost me? I would just look at the pictures at first and kind of estimate what I think the rehab would cost. And then I work my way backwards and figure out what my offer price was. And sometimes I would have time to just run over there and take a look at the property and make sure that my rehab number is correct. And sometimes I wouldn't, and I would have to put an offer in just kind of guesstimating. And then you get it under contract and you always have five days anyways to for your attorney approval period. So that point, I'm going to go and take a look at the property just to make sure that my offer is the correct one. So that's what I kind of did over and over and over again. I always say my first property was beginner's luck because I think from the three properties that I looked at, one of them worked. So I didn't have to do a lot of that analysis. But my second property took me nine months to get. And that's when I was getting really frustrated. I would do the same thing over and over again. But I'm like, wait, the first one was so easy. Why is the second one so difficult? And I realized that that's when I actually got really good at analyzing properties because you do it over and over and over again. Yeah, it didn't result in me getting anything under contract till nine months. But then once I get that second one, after that, it was just, I knew I was doing and I was able to get multiple ones in a matter of a couple months. A few things that I hear there is like, you took a course and... So many people have taken real estate courses and done nothing with them, right? And nothing happens, of course, because they didn't act, but you did. So you learned something, you went and put it to action, but then you doubled the time that they recommended. So I just always point out to the listeners, like these things don't just happen. It's not luck, right? I don't personally believe in luck. I mean, like you spent time. I mean, you put action to things you were learning. It's just incredible what happens when you do that. And then the second one took nine months where you didn't give up, right? And wait six months. You know what? This is not working. I'm going to go do something else now, right? I'm going to start a different J-O-B. I'm going to go do something else. Like, you know, you stuck with it until you got the next one. And on that note, tell me about how you scaled that though. You know, how you scaled now to a multi-million dollar portfolio. What are a couple of the key things that helped you now, you know, to grow from that first project or two to doing many more projects now? The key thing to scaling up is honestly having a great team. You have to have a good team. So I have a support system. So within our class, the classes that we took, we have this network of investors, private money lenders, contractors, all of that. So what I did was build relationships. So I have 10 different private money lenders. So I don't use the same one. So if I'm doing five different projects, you know, I'm using two or three different lenders or five different lenders, depending on who's got money at the moment. So the way to scale up is you have to make sure that you always have access to money. If you don't have access to money, it's really difficult to scale up. The other thing is you need to build a really good relationship with your tradesmen or get a contractor because you don't want to keep switching from contractor to contractor because once you kind of know how each other work, it goes really fast. I mean, when we used pretty much the same paint colors throughout every house, the same flooring, whatever was left over just went to the next house. So I think those are probably the two key things is access to money and having a great team around you that can just like, you know, turn those over pretty quickly. And, you know, as an investor, I would say you don't have to be so difficult with your contractor. Once they're done and you know they're done with their job and you've checked it out, pay them. Like, don't wait 30 days. Don't wait 60 days to pay them. Pay them on time because they will want to work for you if you treat them with respect. 
Yeah. Great words of wisdom there, no doubt about if you want to do a lot of deals. But tell us a little bit about how you finance those projects. You know, you talk about didn't have any money, right? You had to figure out that you had to learn that you didn't have to have money, but how did you still make that happen? So luckily the program that I'm with, the private money lenders in that program give you 100% financing. So 100% purchase and 100% rehab, right? So when we actually do our rehab calculations, our mentor has always told us, put a little bit of an oops factor in there of 10%, right? Just in case something happens. Well, you have that little bit of extra money sitting in the account in case something goes wrong, but then you also have that money to sitting around in case something doesn't go wrong to pay your monthly interest payments if you choose to do so, if you have that. So, but 100% financing on every single deal is how I was able to scale up because honestly, I didn't have that kind of money of my own to use. And that's how we grew. Is that still your method now to financing deals and closing deals? Yes. I still use other people's money. I think it's really important. I do have some of my own money right now invested in some lots in Florida, which we could talk about when you talk about what's next. Yeah. But when I'm doing deals, I always use other people's money and kind of just save my own for, for, you know, sometimes where there's a rehab that goes over or maybe there's some other investments that I want to put them into. Yeah. What is next? So I'm actually been going back and forth to Tampa a lot because we're our group that we're a part of. There's 30 of us. We're going and doing new construction. So townhomes in not in Tampa itself, but the surrounding suburbs of Tampa. So Southwest Florida, we're kind of going there and we're building townhomes. So I've purchased about seven plots of land so far and going to build two or three units at a time and see how it goes. But it's really exciting because new construction, it's something new that I've never done. So it's a whole different ballgame there. But you're doing that with a group or you have other people? They're individual. Yeah. So we're learning together, but I'm purchasing these lots individually. So they're exclusively mine, but none of us have experience in new construction. So we're kind of, our mentors kind of like leading the way and we're all kind of just learning. Awesome. So what's the challenge, Farrah, you've had in scaling your business and how did you overcome that? This is probably not going to sound traditional, but my biggest challenge has honestly been other people kind of just being in my ears and be like, you know, that's enough. How much are you going to grow? You already have five houses. You don't need any more. Just get married. Just kind of hearing that from like family, some friends and that sort of stuff is I've probably been the most disturbing for me. And I, you know how it is sometimes when it's your own. It hurts more when it's like my mom's always really concerned about me, you know, being a single mom and stuff. She's like, okay, you know, you already have a great job. You're doing well. So I think that probably as far as real estate investing, honestly, yeah, there's challenges here and there with rehabs and things like that, but nothing that I haven't been able to overcome. There's not been one deal where I've actually lost any money whatsoever. Yeah, that's awesome. No doubt some of the influences from family and friends can be the hardest as you're trying a new endeavor. If they're not a entrepreneur or didn't experience that at some point, it's hard for them to see that. I mean, I can relate to that in such a big way. But on that note, thinking about a downturn or something like that happening, how do you prepare for something like that in the projects that you're buying? The way to do it, honestly, is you have to buy the property right. If you buy the property right, your chances of messing up on the property is very slim to none. So that's the biggest thing is making sure that you do your due diligence up front and making sure that you're buying the property at the right price, right? So I think that's the number one reason why most people fail is because they're not buying right. Like 
I know people who have gotten really excited just because they want to do their first deal and they've overpaid a property by $20,000. And then they think that they're going to have zero invested in the deal when they come to refinancing the deal. But what happens is their appraisal doesn't come in as high and now they have 20 grand that they need to stay invested that they don't have and they have to figure out how to come up with it. So I would say to you know our listeners that buying it right and making sure that you do your due diligence is key and it really, really minimizes your risk at that point. For sure. Yeah. Correct due diligence, a conservative approach, all those things. What about, you mentioned like building in Florida and different things. Do you have any predictions just for the housing market over the next six to 12 months? As far as building in Florida, I mean, new construction, right now, everything is hot. Like there's a shortage of inventory. We're building duplexes and triplexes over there. And right now, there isn't very many lots that are zoned for that. So when they do come up, we try to grab them. But the prices just keep increasing. So the margins on that are really, really good. I mean, you can make anywhere between $100,000, maybe $150,000 in profit per duplex. Or if you're going to rent them out and get cash flow, you can make anywhere between six hundred dollars per door. And also, when you refi, get all of your money back that you invested and then just keep going at it. So I feel that the market will stay hot for a while. I feel like a lot more people have money now than they've ever had before. This is just my personal feeling. And that people are not just buying only one home. Now they're buying their second home. So now pretty soon, I feel like with people more working from home, like they don't have to go to a physical location at work every day. So now they're able to move around anywhere in the United States or anywhere in the world, you know, but now they're buying houses in say places like Florida or Atlanta or anywhere, Texas, places that are warmer. So I just think that it's going to continue to increase because I feel like the ratio of a family having one-to-one, that's going to start increasing. What about a way you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? I don't know too much about the way you guys run yours, but I would say having a good strategy of doing rentals and flips or wholesales, I would say, kind of be smart when you're going to hold versus when you're going to flip. Like sometimes... If I feel that I can make a huge margin, let's just say I can make $100,000 and it took me two, three months to do that flip, I might just make that decision of selling that property rather than keeping it as a rental. The other thing is during this period where the inventory is low, I know for me, at least I've done one of these, but I know other investors who have done a couple of these where you have a portfolio, right? So you take advantage of the market and you get rid of your properties that are performing average or below average, not as well as maybe some of the other properties, sell those and then take that and reinvest it into something else that will make more money. Yeah. Are you working with investors now outside of like a hard money lender or something like that? You mean like in partnerships with an investor? Right, right. No, I do everything on my own. I don't have any partnerships. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me, what about some daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? If you want to be successful in real estate, you have to immerse yourself in it. So you should have friends that are in the real estate game. I feel like my social life has, you know, the people that I network with are more investors. We've become really good friends. We help each other out. We give each other tips and ideas. So that's a huge thing. Like how you spend your time every day is very, very important. If you do want to become very successful, you have to pay attention to how much time are you giving daily 
on real estate investing, you know, whether it's just to go and take a look at property, whether it's go shadow other investors who are doing properties, whatever it is, because I've learned that wherever I am, even today with me having the type of experience that I have, even today, I get nuggets from listening to podcasts or going out with a couple people who were walking through a property, maybe an inspector or whatever the case is. So try to immerse yourself in it. It's, it's like anything else. You immerse yourself in that thing and eventually you become an expert and it can be very lucrative for you. Just like you had to immerse yourself to get a master's degree, right? <laughs> I did, yeah. yeah. You have to do the same thing in this yeah. business. Tell us how you like to give back. So one of the things that I have, like me and another attorney friend of mine, her name is Gina Diaz. She and I had opened up a company called We Win. And that is an organization that helps other women get into real estate investing. So as part of this whole group that we were in, we were seeing how women were doing so successful we're doing really well with real estate investing and real estate investing has always been like a male dominated industry. And so what we did was we formed this and we do free meetings once a month, virtually right now, they used to be in person, but we do them virtually right now where we kind of just take a topic and we kind of talk about it. So a lot of women, I think, feel intimidated at first because I know how I felt when I first walked into the seminar. So now we kind of have just women and uh, smaller groups when we meet and then we kind of explain what we do. And then if they are interested, then there's like a three-day event that we are a part of that we invite them to learn more. Another way that we give back is that her and I and another friend of mine during COVID, when COVID first hit, we created We Win Foundation. So what we do is we get donations from all our investor friends and other businesses that we know. And we actually go to the communities around where we invest in, like areas that are in need. And we have done food drives. Thanksgiving, we did turkey drive, toy drives. During Christmas, we gave out 3,000 toys last year to kids in need. So a back to school drive, whatever we can to kind of help our communities that we invest in. Awesome. Well, that's incredible. Thanks for sharing that, how you're giving back in that way and also helping other women get started in real estate. Definitely can be intimidating to get started in any kind of endeavor like this, male or female. Men are welcome to. We say it's because we want to attract women, but if we attracted a lot of men and we will definitely help, they're welcome to join any of our webinars as well. Awesome. Well, Farah, incredible to hear your story going from nothing to pursuing, keeping on going through some hard times and making this happen first and second deal and now how you've grown. You went from nothing. You took those classes and even after getting a master's degree, you changed courses and took those classes and took action in a big way. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Sure. So I have a website. It's farahali.org, F-A-R-R-A-H-A-L-I.org. And then you can also email me at rei, so rei at farahali.org. I also have a book that I wrote this year called Diaries of a Female Real Estate Investor. It's on Amazon. So it kind of goes through more in detail of my story, how I got started, some of the challenges that I went through. And then also it's educational where it has five case studies of the properties that I've done, the exact numbers, how I did the rehab, all of that is in the book. So I really highly recommend that for anybody that either wants to get started real estate investing or wants to scale up because I do talk about how I was able to scale up. So there are a couple of ways to get a hold of me. I am on Facebook as well, Instagram and LinkedIn. So any of those avenues and any free meetings that we do, I always post on my Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. 
LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.